morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is the Material Podcast, episode number 238. That's 238 weeks of previous episodes of Material Podcast that you can go through in our archives. I am Florence Ion, uh, one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Andy Anako. Hello, Andy. Hello, Flo. And I want to I want to point out that unlike like these uh, these Hollywood TV big shots who get paid millions of dollars an episode, mm-hmm. we don't take like three or four week breaks and go into reruns. We're talking about week after week after week. If we have to suffer to make these shows every week, you people have to suffer by listening. Actually, you don't have to listen to them. But I'm saying potentially if you felt as though you committed some sort of sin, if you're Catholic and you committed a sin and your priest uh, is and at the confessional is also a fan of material and said, you know what? You can either do uh, uh, 10 stations of the, cl- of the cross, 500 Hail Marys, or 50 consecutive episodes of the material podcast. I love that. Yeah. Actually, actually, we'd be kind of offended that that would be punishment, but we'd be very, very, I would be very, very pleased to know that our reach even goes into the clergy. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It would say it would be good, good marketing. There must be some way our advertising people can take advantage of that. Speaking of, well, I was trying to find some segue to go from talking about, um, you know, Hail Marys and Stations of the Cross. That's that's a hard transition. I, I, the rest of our audience are looking forward to how you've managed this transition. We know you can do it. Well, just wait until you see what the category, what uh, I'm about to bring up. So there's a new 90s show that I'm into. Uh, now this is a show that I used to see ads for when I was a kid and I would always wonder what the heck it was. Uh, silk stockings, <laughs> spelled. Oh, okay. <laughs> wasn't that, wasn't that like know. the prime time after prime time? <laughs> yeah, and stockings is spelled like like to stalk somebody, like S T A L K. A play, not on words. like stockings, but it's a play on the word because the show is like it's about two detectives that like go undercover and they solve crimes of passion. <laughs> It's just so bad. Now, the, and, younger, younger <laughs> listeners, I, I need to point out that there was once, a, I think around the same time, there was a detective it's show so called bad. The Hat Squad. That <laughs> was all, and the whole thing was that it was about a squad of detectives who, in the mo- in modern age, whose signature was that they wore oh, hats. Yep. And yep. this was, and this was how the show got greenlit. Oh my! Well, this looks this this looks well. Now we know. Uh, where Unsolved Mysteries got its aesthetic from the Hat Squad. But Silk Stockings is, it takes place in um, Palm Beach, Florida. So it's like incredibly neon 90s. It like started in 1991. Anyway, they show this show on Pluto TV. And one night I put it on just out of sheer curiosity. I was like, oh, this used to be on when I was a kid. I wonder what like, I wonder what it was. Cause I never, you know, obviously I was a kid. I tried to stick to what, you know, was made for me. And um, and my husband walks in and goes, oh, this is Silk Stockings. I used to watch this show with my mom. Like, and if you watch an episode, audience, it is like the most, it is the smuttiest that you could possibly get on cable TV in the 90s. Like, there's just, like, the sexual tension between people is borderline <laughs> cheesy to the point where you're just like I can't watch this with a straight face because it's just so like like the like the first 13 minutes of any movie that was on Cinemax after 11 p.m. while all of like the 
teenage kids going through puberty were saying, get to the good stuff. Come on. You think I'm yeah. watching this for the plot line? Yeah, exactly. But Rob Estes is in it, um, and he was in Melrose Place in the later seasons, which is a show that I really got into because of my whole Beverly, 902, Beverly Hills 90210 fandom. Uh, you know, I just exist inside the Aaron Spelling universe. So I, that's why I was curious to watch this. Anyway, so now I've been watching it, and it's interesting because it's been following this uh, slew of detective shows that I've been getting into, right? I mean, I told, I told you all, I was like, I'm still watching Columbo, still making my way through that. You yeah. know, we alternate what we watch at dinner time, so <laughs> we're we're a TV dinner family. Um, and the next one that people keep telling me to watch is Midsummer Murders, so that's Ooh. like. That's the one that people are like, why aren't you watching that? Like, if you love Columbo. But I decided instead of watching Midsummer Murders, I would watch Silk Stockings, <laughs> which is like just again. But it's the perfect kind of like mindless smut to fall asleep to because at some point you're just like, Ugh, it's time to go to bed. This is this is so ridiculous. <laughs> like, thank you for putting me to sleep, beautiful people. <laughs> no, you know what there the is? 90s. There, there is an advantage. I know that all of the advice about how to get a good night's sleep involves and turn off all the screens, don't do this. But sometimes yeah. you can't get your brain to like follow your orders. And so you do need something that you're kind of a show that you're marginally interested in, but not like really intellectually or emotionally invested in, so Precisely. that you can drift off in the first. It's not boring, but it's it basically tricks your brain into like disengaging. But now, now, Columbo for me is not that. It really is. Like, it's not. For me, you have favorite, to pay attention. But it, it's funny that you bring that up because uh, I have <laughs> – for some, I don't uh, – I, I did not make a uh, New Year's resolution to watch an episode of Columbo every day <laughs> of 2020. It just so happens that – uh, I usually spend New Year's I Eve. I take credit through... for this. There you go. By the way, sorry, <laughs> no, no, just no, because I plan, you know. Um, but it's but I, I have been doing so. I just it just so happened that I watched like a, after my New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, trans, early New Year's Day tradition is to with friends or alone like watch lots of movies and yes. By one a.m., I got into like uh, Columbo. And the second, I, and because I happened to, I realized that I, I have the entire DVD box set, and I've ripped them all into my server, and realized that I don't, I haven't watched the actual like episode one in years. So I started with episode one, then watched episode two, and like oh, and the next day I realized that oh, I've started by watching the first episode on the first. Uh, okay, and I like Columbo, so it's not a big sacrifice. But anyway, right. it, it got me to like rethink about how I've been collecting. Uh, I've been uh, archiving Columbo's on my server. And again, uh, you can buy this in the U.S. You can buy a, a DVD box set that has every episode, even like the kind of terrible ones from the 80s and the 90s after like the, the rebooted series. Uh, and so obviously I duly ripped all of them. They're all on my server, but they're in they're in like DVD, like standard definition quality. I only have like four or five episodes in HD because the official Columbo site on YouTube for some for a while they were releasing selected episodes in HD every few months. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether that was to tease tease the HD streaming uh, series you can get on Amazon, but you can't get high definition in the United States. But I did know that uh, there was a box set of Blu-rays only for sale in Japan. 
And every time like I come across it again, I keep thinking, do I want to spend $240, $250 to – and realizing that – there are maybe only a dozen episodes that I want to, to, to buy. If it were $100, I would go for it, just like this box, the DVD set was 50 So what I'm getting around to is that I finally went back to Amazon uh, Japan to like look at stuff, realized that they have individual like two-episode Blu-rays for like the equivalent of like 10 or $11 plus 6 or $7 shipping. So I, I ordered one like just to get started. <laughs> Oh my and gosh. So, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Up- it's just this, it's just, it's Columbo with, with Japanese, with uh, Japanese characters <laughs> and, and with kanji yep. below it. And it's just uh, Columbo. I never thought I would see those two yes. mashed up together. So <laughs> I apologize for the loud noise I made on the audio recording, but. I, I promise <laughs> listeners, you're, you're now feel like we're, we're teasing you. I will definitely take a picture of this and Flo will include it in the show notes. So you can see it. Uh, but yes. the, but it, it has to, this this com, this this is part of why I love Google and their services because they didn't anticipate that someday Andy Anatko is going to want to buy individual episodes of Columbo on a Japanese website and he's going to have to like translate the catalog listing to find out what episodes he's getting. Uh, and so, and this is how I'm trying, I'm, I'm finding the episode, the episodes that I really, really want this one, like the one I bought has one of my favorite episodes. Actually, it's interesting. Has one of my favorite episodes, any old port in a storm, uh, mm-hmm. paired up with one of my least favorite episodes, candidate for crime. Uh, they're, they're both, they're, they're both candidate for crime is really, really good. It has a great gotcha. It's just that. Uh, Jackie Coogan, I think, uh, uh, plays like the the murderer, and he's a really bad actor. I mean, he's really bad. But anyway, so this allows me to actually like find the episodes that I want. The other fun part is that, of course, now I'm I'm also using Google Lens. As soon as as soon as the the Blu-ray came, I'm using Google Lens. Right. right? So now I know exactly how to write uh, Detective Lieutenant Columbo in kanji because it is because. <laughs> Uh, Google Lens tells me it's these like four characters, mm-hmm. like one, two, three, four, and now I kind of want to post it on Twitter and ask people who speak Japanese. So how do you translate like Dete- Lieutenant Columbo into because those aren't really Japanese? Is it phonetic? And it's it's actually it's actually also really hysterically funny because when I translate the actual listing, uh, obviously like any good like seventies. A detective show there's always <laughs> like tonight's episode hey diddle diddle the cat and the murder <laughs> you know and, and relies on like okay cultural references and so some so i'm looking at okay here's any old port in a storm and and but uh on in the listing it's it translates as you know the red wine or you know i i've uh, i fixed my watch and mm-hmm. and i gotta say it's for me, it's kind of like a fun puzzle because I know that I know by now that the secret is to actually scroll down to like the comments left by people who have bought these, and they'll say, you know, I really enjoy the 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 I really the, had a really clever murderer, uh, and, but uh, who was a Hollywood actress who? Oh, okay, I know I know what that one is. I I definitely want to get that one. Oh, that's the Johnny Cash episode. I definitely want that one. But part of it is like two diamonds, one car. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know. I know. Get this. I know. Get this. Okay. How about was it the one in which Robert Culp hid the body in the trunk of the car, and Columbo thought that maybe something, you know, 
<laughs> so it's like uh, I, I, this is why I, so, I have so much appreciation for what uh, for the products and the services that Google creates because they don't create. Like here is a – okay, they do create a tool for here is how to create a presentation – a cloud-based presentation slides thing. But most of their great stuff is, you know what? We're just going to make it so that if there is uh, some some text in a, and you, you can see with your camera in a language you don't understand, it will explain to you what that is in mm-hmm, your language. Mm-hmm. And if it helps Andy to buy episodes of Columbo from across the sea, <laughs> so be it. That's how I uh, translate Pokemon names from Japanese and <laughs> – yeah. Um, it's a couple small pieces of Google news now that we, you know, just to get us back on, because I did derail us with that conversation of we, the- We enjoyed the journey. You know, the sexy silk stockings. Uh, um, so a little piece of news that hit before we started recording today, recording this on a Wednesday. Live captions. It looks like they're on the Pixel 2. Now, that wasn't something that we were expecting to happen. Uh, it was we were under the impression that Google was only going to bring those new accessibility features to uh, the newer versions of its Pixel. But it's really nice to hear that Google's quietly brought live captions to the Pixel 2. I think the utility of the feature, the fact that it is like an accessibility feature that, you know, makes its platform more inclusive for varying users is is great. I think that that is why Google decided, you know, I bet the team was like, well, what the heck, if we can do this for the three, why can't we just do this for the two and figure out how to do this? So it's not, uh, you know, uh, bogging people down on, on their phones, that sort of thing. Um, I can't imagine that it, that it is as, that it's that much more tap, taxing on the hardware that's in the Pixel 2 versus the Pixel 3, for instance, because I'm using it on the Pixel 3. Um, So that's just kind of a nice little surprise and a nice uh, reminder of some of the things that Google does internally that is why we remain users of this platform, because sometimes Google just says things in the the interest of its users, which is great. Um, And another little bit of news which I am just kind of, I'm just putting this out there as like an open-ended question. So I'm, I'm not expecting any sort of answer to this. But XDA uh, developers had discovered call recording in Android's native phone app. So they kind of like tore down upcoming APK, found that there's native call recording, which I, you know, I'm sure gets a lot of journalists excited and people who, you know, maybe want to, Get some evidence. I'm writing a I'm writing a hot take as as we speak. Uh, but I can't help but wonder because of the fact that I live in the state of California, and I know it's like this in the other states too. But I, you know, the first thing I learned in in college in my journalism classes was I have to disclose that I'm recording, otherwise, like they could decide to sue me. Just <laughs> <is> basically what <laughs> yeah. I was taught. Uh, I wonder how this is going to work with surveillance laws. Yeah, in different parts of like, is it just going to be um, is it going to be a situation like uh, uh, what am I thinking of the feature that it's not? It, oh, the is it face unlock? That's not in India. 
Right. And on the, the Pixel 4. And like in California, they had to, California had to amend its like uh, face, uh, its facial recognition laws to say uh-huh. that, okay, if you're a state employee, it's okay to unlock your phone with your face. That doesn't count as facial recognition. Yeah. Right. There are nuances everywhere. I just, I think about these little things when I hear this because like people are like, oh, that's so exciting. It's so great to hear. Uh, yeah, sure. It would make life a lot easier for folks who use that you know, who need that utility out of their phone. But then I think about, you know, all the other implications and already like people just aren't fans of Google because of the whole listening thing. Yeah. (laughs) So, but but it is, it is really cool. If um, I agree, it seems, it seems like something that, uh, I'm, Google, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously they're aware of uh, privacy laws, but there are some states in which you don't have to disclose that uh, that you're recording. Others are like a two party. I think they call it the two party rule, where both parties in the call have to know that it's being recorded. And it seems like it could be very, very easy for uh, the phone to say that, oh, this is this call is uh, going to an area code in a state where. Uh, Disclosure has to be made, and therefore there's there's a built-in feature where, like, every five minutes it says, this call is being recorded by uh-huh, Google technology. Right, right. And because it would be easy, easy enough, or even if you just wanted to volunteer – when you initiate the, the feature, if you just want to voluntarily say, please, like, every five minutes just insert this – and because I'm also, but I'm also thinking that if you can record the call, it means that it's be so easy to then later to for Google to then uh, provide you with a transcript of the call, mm-hmm. which would be the, the number of times where I'm like in a phone meeting or a phone briefing where I've got a half hour with somebody that I was lucky to get a half hour with, and then amount of time I have to sp- and then when I have to say let's let's pause for a second because I need to ke- my typing has to catch up with what we're mm-hmm, saying, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and because I'm I don't have time to record it and then transcribe it later uh that's it's uh, yeah but the number of hot hot piece hot takes that are going to be about is google secretly recording your phone conversations answer uh no but please click through anyway But that's yeah. That, that, this is <laughs> oh well. But it's a, it's a, yeah, I don't see. I don't. I also. I don't want to fall into the trap of saying, "Oh, everybody's going to be a dogpiling on Google for any well, reason." Pro- but that's the nar- that's the narrative that's been selling. I mean, look, we we talk about it here too. It's okay. Yeah. This is this is how the world works. All right, people, we're just being honest with you. There's a narrative out there that is that is just running wild. And um, and I think about this now when I hear I'm like, how is this going to be positioned to make, you know, because. Yeah, also, also, I think part of it is is helped by our jobs because sometimes I think, OK, if I were really, really bad at my job and unethical, how would I twist this into clicks and definitely being able to make a freelance sale here? So, yep. Shall I go to commercial after uh, we have to one? Uh, I g- wanted you to give us the Gimpy Gimpy update because, uh, and also again, I would like to before we bring up the Gimpy Gimpy update to also bring up the fact that Australia is still burning. Yeah. Um. It. I guess it's been very interesting watching the headlines with Australia and how much they parallel the ones that I've experienced living in California the last couple of years, because now parts of Australia are getting rain and that's like creating a whole bunch of, you know, more mess like mudslides. And yeah. like, it's, um, it's not necessarily 
dissipating the carcinogens that are in the air. And so just want to keep Australia on everybody's mind as we discuss the gimpy gimpy bush, because I know that I'm sure some of these bushes have been harmed. I mean, maybe that wouldn't be such a bad thing uh, though. I don't want to any levity whatsoever given that. See, uh, and uh, see as as I'm, as, as we're speaking about this, I'm thinking that again, you think about possibilities and I'm thinking that, you know what, if if this, if this were just like, uh, like a a California reaper pepper, let's say that instead of Mm -hmm. like having fallen into this idea that we're going to track uh, hot, what our position is in Google search rankings on the California reaper, like the hottest pepper on record or whatever. Mm -hmm. I, at this point, uh, and in, and if the, the Carolinas were uh, were suffering devastating brush fires, uh, that worse uh, the government is denying is a real problem, and that other forces were trying to say, "Oh gosh, another arson suspected brush fire." You know, it's not arson. You think you know it has something to do with the environment. Uh, I'll be saying, and you know what? We're we're I've decided for the next month. We're going to be taking d- d- donations uh, via PayPal for f- for people who uh, have been displaced and in need of relief. And if we raise fifty thousand dollars, I will eat a Carolina Reaper pepper on the next show because uh, I feel as though I could recover from a California Reaper pepper. Everything I've read about the Gimpy Gimpy Bush and the intense amount of pain, <laughs> even the most incidental contact yes. with a leaf causes. Yes, I, I ain't that tough. I'm not going to do that. So. Yeah. Uh, my sympathies, however, are, are with again. Uh, it's uh, the visualization tools that lots of different outfits, including Google, have been providing, showing the yep. scope of this of the damn. Uh, it's uh, it yeah. really does make you pause. And anyway, but so uh, we were perspective. Uh, num- we were the number three and the number four uh, most uh, 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 most popular links when you do a Google search for podcasts about the Gimpy Gimpy. Uh, good good news. We are now number two and number three. We have gone up one button. We are going so strong on this. I am proud of us. We're, uh, it's, it's called commitment. It's like if, if we if we thought that, hey, isn't this a funny joke? Let's give up on it after two, three weeks before all of our listeners get sick of it. Would we st- would we be not only persisting but climbing the climbing the ladder? No. And at some point, I, I, we just have to have, be confident that at some point, through repetition, it becomes funny again. And I'm I'm willing mm-hmm. to stick that out. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm here to do that with you, Andy, in solidarity. This is why we're such an effective partnership. This is why precisely. we were a podcasting juggernaut. Oh, precisely. <laughs> uh, and speaking of juggernaut, let's have our first ad. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content or how effective your marketing, they'll most likely bounce if your website is loading too slow. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect your visitors' experience, so you can take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, device, and platform they use. Identify how visitors are experiencing your website so you can make informed optimizations to deliver great performance to those who matter most. And did we mention it's built for scalability? Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, meaning you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. 
Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then, when you sign up, use the code MATERIAL at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from Solar Winds for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so this made the news rounds last week. Um, it really, really came to a head after we had done our last episode. Um, it's it is it is involves Google, um, and I think it's just a, an important topic to bring up considering some of the patterns that we've seen come out of Silicon Valley workplaces in the last couple of years. So the New York Times reported that Alphabet's chief legal officer had stepped down last week amid uh, an investigation. We had originally reported on the investigation, I think, sometime last fall of uh, 2019. August, oh, well, in some places that's fall. <laughs> <laughs> August... August 2019. Um, so David Drummond was Alphabet's chief legal officer, and uh, he was with the company since 2002. He even helped draft Google's original incorporation papers. So the guy has been a veteran of the company. Suffice to he say, was, a senior, a senior, and highly valued by the by the management. Part of the package, yeah. some would say, which made it. Which made it difficult because he was frequently named in stories about um, how Alphabet, nay Google, protects, quote, elite, unquote, executives who engage in inappropriate behavior with female coworkers. Um, this is something that was prevalent not only among whisper networks, but also there were headlines to yeah. accompany it which frustrated a lot of people. And especially after the Andy Rubin, uh, everything that had happened with Andy Rubin finding out like what his exit package was and all that. $90 million. Uh-huh. That really brought to light like some of the other folks that were kind of being protected at Google. Um, so in a Medium post last August, former Googler Jennifer Blakely, who had joined Google before Drummond, told a story about her relationship with Drummond and how she was forced to leave the legal department and transfer to sales when their affair became widely known. Uh, he subsequently, after that, had additional extramarital affairs with Google and Alphabet staffers. So he kind of just continued business as usual while the woman you know who got involved with him who i'm sure felt that she was in a relationship yep because no, it was it was uh, i yeah i it's uh that's you, you really need to read this mo medium post if you haven't already because it is just shocking uh, it is a first person story and again as people with journalist journalism backgrounds we have to say that this is her own testimony as opposed to independent whatever mm -hmm. whatever uh, but there's no reason not to believe her talking about how uh, establishing that uh, he was uh, Drummond was uh, married when he started the relationship with uh, with Drummond uh, consensual relationship but still uh, and by telling her the story, oh, we have the, you know, the usual, oh, well, our, our relationship, our, my marriage is, again, we're going to get divorced uh, very, very soon because our relationship is really, really over. But she established that this was like a regular routine for him, that they were in a relationship. They had a child. Uh, they were cohabitating. Oh, for, yeah, that's right. They're yep. cohabitating yeah. for, for a while. Uh, at some point, he – and this is the story that really 
gets you very angry about this person. She tells a story about how their son uh, was very, very sick, uh, got sick. Uh, They're both at an event. Uh, or I'm sorry, they're both away from their child at the time. Uh, they got the uh, she imme- she immediately left whatever wherever she was to go uh, attend to the kid. Uh, told uh, Drummond about it. He said, "Oh, okay, I'm on my way, on my way." And he wasn't there, wasn't there, wasn't there. She kept texting, and then she found out that after like he, she, after she texted him about this, he left whatever party he was at with two other women. And at that, and the next thing he she heard from him was that, "Oh, well, our relationship is over. I'm moving out." and uh, the, she says that he made the idea of custody. He he used his he used power and intimidation to keep her in line, so to speak, uh, dangling. Well, if I, I, I'm the mo- one of the most powerful lawyers in this country, and if I want, he, I'm, I'm not quoting, but I'm giving you the gist of it. I'm the the, the idea being that I'm a hugely powerful lawyer and if i want to have you lose custody of our son and mm-hmm. he'll, he'll he'll be living with like myself and my wife that's what's going to happen unless you play a ball the most chilling part of it was noting that uh, philander in her view philandering was considered to be and she uses the words executive privilege by many senior executives at google she tells and, th- and this is how you know that's that a man has a seriously twisted idea of the relationship between men and women. Uh, 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 she tells that she uh, showed him, excuse me, he showed her uh, an article about uh, another uh, senior, senior, senior Google executive, uh, a, a gossip piece from the Daily Mail, whatever, about about uh, that executive's philandering. And she, he was sending her the message that, look, this is this is what we are entitled to do. We can treat women this way because we have earned that privilege. And if you think that if you try to fight us and get sympathy and have us face repercussions, it's not going to happen because that's simply the way of the world and certainly the way of alphabet. And this is what makes you kind of your blood boil. Also, the way of Alphabet is uh, giving a lot of money to its yes. employees, which, you know, I'm not going to say is a bad thing because um, we live in a profits focused society and it is very, um, you know, the way that you sort of get by in this society is through getting these kind of jobs that help you out with stock options, yeah. with benefits, with things like that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah, they they signed these they Google signed these contracts as here's what here's how we're going to retain you and they didn't say now you're not going to be doing something absolutely so horrible that after we investigate we're going to ask you to leave and you're we're still going to have to write you this 90 million right. dollar check, right? But it's yeah, it's still galling that even if their attitude was that we want this guy gone, G O N E, and if he and if giving him what we uh, what we contractually promised him to do uh, will get him out here quicker, we're going to do that. But it's still immensely galling to everybody who's left behind in that situation that someone again, like the previous person we mentioned, got to his punishment was that he got ninety million dollars and he was he was able to start another phone company after this whereas mm-hmm. other other countless women have left tech completely 
because they felt as though this is not an environment in which I will, I can, uh, I have so much I can contribute, so many ideas, I can revolutionize the world. But this is not just a con- not just a company, but this is an industry in which I will never be allowed to do that. That's another thing that makes my blood boil. I never, I never considered that uh, before a couple of years ago. The n- number of women that were leaving computer science, leaving technology, not because of a couple of bad apples, but because the entire the entire industry they feel through their experience and through talking to other women is just absolutely rotten. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just sitting here I need nodding. to turn off Andy's, I need to turn off Andy's rant mode. It's well, okay. So there, think, we, there are things I, I rant about and this is one. No, that's all right. I mean, so we, you know, we talked about how Andy Rubin got the payout of 90 million. We frequently talk about that. Well, Drummond did not receive uh, an exit package, um, according to an Alphabet spokesperson. So he left last week, right? He In an email that he sent to employees, he said he had planned to leave by the end of this month. He said it was the, quote, right time for me to make way for the next generation of leaders, unquote, in light a, a of non, Larry... A non-bastard generation. Yes, right. In light of Larry Page and Sergey Brin's own exits, Google's founders... Uh, you know, the fact that they're stepping back their day-to-day roles of the company. But of course, that's just like a way to say that I'm leaving because we're trying to like shift over things over here. Like there's a big structural cultural change that's happening at Google because because of the things that have been reported the last year. Now, so one thing that I saw on Twitter, uh, throughout social media really, and even in some of the articles that were written about this was like, well, he didn't get his exit package the way Andy Rubin did. So, so clearly like Google is changing its ways and not rewarding uh, bad behavior, which maybe is true. Sure. But let's also not forget that because of this whole stock option thing, he actually sold more than $221 million in stock that he's had since November. Um, And $145 million of that was sold right before he left, according to Bloomberg. So he's not suffering. He still has a bunch of money that he put in his back pocket. He's going to be fine. He's going to find himself a financial investor. He's going to get that stuff. um, Excuse me, a financial advisor is going to get that stuff invested. He doesn't even have to work. I mean, if he doesn't want to, right. and it doesn't matter what he did at the company because he he's fine versus the people who have been affected by people like this and they talk about it, there's repercussions against them. It's hard to find a job because they're considered a liability, you yep. know, a PR liability kind of thing. Squealer, like this is yep. just this is not um special to Google, but we bring it up because it's a very it's a very big part of our um, discussion as a society, just like how wrong this all is and how this creates exclusivity in an industry that we want to be. I mean, we started out this podcast talking about how Google does software to be really inclusive for its users. Well, it has to do the same thing with its its internal business practices. Yep. Like you can't you have to practice what you preach, yep. quite frankly. Um, and the stock thing, it's, you know, it's a part of Silicon Valley. Like, this is just part of business. But it's just to bring up the fact that, like, these people are going to be fine. They get, they still get away with what they did, even if it's not exactly like how Andy Rubin was paid out. Like, David Drummond still has plenty of money in the bank. 
to continue living life, to put his kids through college, you know. And it should be pointed out that he is uh, he is being released uh, from uh, confinement of, of of Alphabet into a community of similarly extremely rich tech people that are probably going to be saying, oh, man, it's too, you know, it's too bad. That's I too mean, bad. You, you didn't do anything wrong. You just had a relationship. Where the, the, yeah, exactly. The, the biggest, the biggest uh, mavericks amongst that group are going to be saying, well, you know, I mean, how long were you going to get away with that? But hey – Still be on the board of a board of directors of my company. Hey, let's consult consult on this project. I would love to hear what you have to say about this with all of your years of experience. Actually, yeah. can you help me write this contract? Because you did such a great job when you wrote that thing for Google back in 2007. Could you introduce me to these bankers and not tell anybody that I'm paying you two or $300,000 for Hey, it's David Drummond. Man, you don't need to pay the valet. It's free. You can just <laughs> leave your car here. Yep. It, it's just... This is how the boys club works, folks. Yeah. <laughs> this is how it works. This is not just inside Google. Uh, and we bring light to it because there are a lot of um, there were a lot of Google employees tweeting about this. And there are a lot of people who are like really upset about this. And we got to bring light to it because yeah. because with all the good things that we get as users, there's also the CD underbelly to consider. Exactly. And I'm hoping I'm hoping that this is a sign that Google is trying to uh, remove this cancer that is inside the company. I'm not, not talking about the individual people, but I'm talking about the culture that allowed these people to flourish. Uh, we can't simply trust Google in this, uh, but I would like nothing more than to find out that uh, once you uh, rise above a certain level at Google, your contract says – here are the conditions upon which you are employed here. Here are the standards that not – if you need to know how, uh, why we will fire your butt, don't look to the employee handbook. Look to this contract which you yourself have signed. And if you're counting on that $30 or $40 million exit bonus, read this contract. And if you think that also – even going so far as that to say that I know that you have bought – $221 million worth of stock, we also have the ability to say, you give us half of it if you if you are kicked out of here under uh, after an internal investigation that shows that you got to go. Whatever you <sighs> yeah. sell belongs is part of your exit fee to us. I, I'm again, I'm I want to I want to tangible signs, not just uh, uh, contrite statements from, from I Google. agree. I agree. Um, there's work to be done. But uh, we're going to talk about more work that is being done at Google right after these messages from our sponsors. This episode of Material is brought to you by Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. They have 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia. And with their enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage option, and their next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a surprisingly good price. Get started on Linode today with a $20 credit for listeners of this show, and you'll get access to a revamped cloud manager built on an open-source single-page app. Nanode plans starting as low as $5. GPU compute plans suitable for AI, machine learning, and video processing. 
and one-click installs of the most popular apps, including WordPress, LampStack, and game servers for Minecraft, and more, more, more. Go to Linode.com slash material and use promo code material2020 when creating a new Linode account and get $20 credit towards your next project. Oh, and Linode are hiring right now. So if that's something that interests you, go to Linode.com slash careers to find out more. The URL for that $20 credit one more time. It's Linode.com slash material with promo code material2020. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Um, so now we're going on to the Wall Street Journal. So we went from the New York Times to the Wall Street Journal. Um, so we have been talking a lot about what Google is doing in the health sector. It's not a surprise if anybody who follows Silicon Valley, anybody who's seen like what Apple has done, what other companies are getting into, like health tech is, uh, it is going to be a huge, this is going to be an industry that's really going to flourish, I think, in this decade. Yeah. Like we're really going to see a lot happening in the next 10 years. It's really interesting because normally when you talk about an industry, a, 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 product or, t- or technology that's flourishing, you often talk about, oh, how much money these companies are going to make. And that's certainly true. But you're also talking about how much better the product that if you, well, if, as you unfortunately have to, at least in the United States, think of healthcare as how much better the product can be with all the tools and technologies that uh, a company like Google uh, can create. So that's, and will my insurance cover this, by the way, because <laughs> <laughs> new and exciting algorithms for figuring out how to deny people coverage for something that is clearly covered by their thousand dollar a month. policy? OK, one more yellow card of slightly off topic. <laughs> but I was looking into like how much it is to deliver a baby and the hospital we picked is now out of network because we switched because the company that my husband works for switched insurance providers in this new year. <laughs> And so, like, before we were covered, everything was fine. And then we checked on it yesterday, and it was like, <sighs> mm-hmm. it was in the double digits, folks, which is a lot for us middle class people, okay? So, I'm sorry, you're talking about five digits in terms of expenses as opposed to, like, Yeah, that's what I meant. Coupon, yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah. Five <laughs> digits. Five digits in terms of not four. Like, at least four is like, all right, we're going to have to cut back on fancy groceries for a while. But, like... Five digits is, yeah. well, we're not, let's pray to God the roof doesn't leak or nothing happens. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about here. We could, we could either have bought like a, a, a Honda Civic nicely kitted out and then set fire to it. Or we could, as an, as an insured couple, have a baby. Yes. Oh, my goodness, God ladies and gentlemen. God America. Anyway, I don't know if tech <laughs> is going to solve this. That would be nice. Um, but Google does want to help kind of um, soup up your medical records in a sense, I guess, to just kind of. OK, so this article in the Wall Street Journal discusses Google's intense push to provide cloud services to medical providers, which you might be thinking, like, what's the big deal? Why is this important? I got to tell you, once you shift your medical doings to online, like it's kind of awesome slash stress inducing to be able to go to go to an online portal and like check on the blood test that you had like 12 hours ago and, you know, just send an email to your doctor like, hey, I have this like weird bulbous spot on my shoulder. Like, what do you think it could be? Should I go? Which kind of doctor should I go see this kind of thing? 
Um, so from the WSJ article, uh, they write, in just a few years, the company Google has achieved the ability to view or analyze tens of millions of patient health records in at least three quarters of U.S. states, which is wow. Uh, in certain instances, the deals allow Google to access personally identifiable health information without the knowledge of patients or doctors. The company can review complete health records, including names, date of birth, medications, and other ailments, uh, according to folks who are familiar with the details. So the concern here is that um, Google's being a little evasive on how the records data that it sees will be used by the company. You know, they're like, what is Google going to use all these health records for? Remember when the Fitbit acquisition was announced a lot of people right. were like, what is Google going to use those records for? I'm totally setting um, fire to my Fitbit now because right. they're going to send me ads. Yeah, right. they, they, I, I, we should mention that this is a really well-sourced article. They were talking to uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people who negotiated with Google and eventually turned them down. And actually, that was the opening. They opened the story with, hey, Eric Schmidt personally came down to like talk to the to the directors to and the reason why this the this organization decided to go with Amazon cloud services instead was because they didn't mm. think that Google was being deceptive but every time they asked really really direct questions about how how are you going to use this data they weren't able to really lock them down so that is uh, dynamite stuff to get <laughs> And Google, on its part, insists that the medical data will never be used for any of its advertising products. Uh, But, you know, still, they're developing these tools and apps for the medical industry. Everything ranging from simple record keeping, which, as I said before, is just like really is really nice for the patient and, you know, for the hospital system and the doctors that are using this to compliance to machine learning that requires access to huge medical data set for training. So it's trying to use this data in a way that can help doctors, caregivers kind of become more, I hate to say this because it's so buzzwordy, but more efficient uh, caregivers kind of thing, more efficient providers. Yeah. That's why I find this whole field so interesting because yeah, the the I, I'm I am way 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 on my uh, easily concerned scale at com- corporations getting access to personal information, uh, but if it's done with lots of controls, when you have uh, and when you have something like uh, the medical industry where uh, ask almost any doctor about like what the biggest thing that they makes them regret. Uh, uh, becoming a doctor is that they thought that they'd be spending most of their day attending to patients and they say they spend mm-hmm. most of their time dealing with paperwork. And if they if there were a uh, a record system that does 90% of this sort of automatic paperwork for them, they simply have to annotate and approve, that would be a huge burden off of doctors and that would be a huge a huge uh, burden off of the healthcare industry. Then you get into the almost magical things where either research studies where uh, Google themselves, as well as others, but Google is uh, has created like uh, the idea of let us give a machine learning model thousands and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of images and tell them and train it what looks like a tumor, what looks like just simply a problem with the imaging, <sighs> versus what yeah. looks like it's just simply uh, the fact that every human is is not like the is not like a Honda Civic. They're not built all the same. You might have a little bit thicker. 
uh, 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 thicker uh, artery near here than other people do. And the ability to, uh, you, I, you certainly never want to have a machine do a diagnosis, diagnosis for you. But in terms of uh, weeding out that this is something that a trained professional could should take a second or third look at. Uh, all this magical, all this stuff can only happen once uh, a company like Google has that has the firepower of machine learning and their computing resources also has access to again hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of patient records. So there's a definitely a creep factor, but there's also a well, let's not. Let's not uh, douse a flame that might provide light and mm. heat to the entire country. Mm-hmm. Um, so the just for those curious, the U.S. HIPAA regulations, uh, which is spelled, by the way, H-I-P-A-A, if you just want to go down a Google hole, allow this sort of access for Google, given that it's between a medical provider and the provider of a service that helps the provider do its job. So Google also says uh, that they can only use the data in ways that the provider of the data has allowed them, I guess, legally So it's not going to go outside of those confines and do whatever with it, which should make you think, well, now I want to know what it is that the HIPAA regulations really say, because I know that buzzword, but I'm going to be honest, I never, and I'm speaking personally, I never actually went through the HIPAA regulations to see what it is that like is being protected. I just know I just know in the back of my mind that it's like super uncool for a doctor to go home and like talk to their spouse about what they saw in my yeah. body. You it know was, what I mean? Like, was, like that's it, yeah. what I know is the gist of it. <laughs> it was, uh, uh, it's a Clinton era, uh, era regulation that uh, at the time, boy, the, whatever you want to say about the Clinton administration, like they, they had to deal with a lot of far reaching forward thinking crap, including how are we going to deal with copyrighted material on the internet all the way to thanks. Okay. Look, it's going to be so it's going to be such a boon to humanity. If we, if uh, hospitals and doctors are allowed to store records electronically, but it's going to be such a cluster cluck. If, they're allowed to then just put this on a floppy disk and leave it in a bus station or whatever. So they try to come up with rules that would protect patient information confidentiality while still allowing these as yet undefined technologies to improve healthcare. Uh, and so the the very very broad gist of it is that you can share information between in inside the community of medical providers and here medical providers includes if you subcontract out file storage and you you you, you rent a service or whatever however you are required to protect that data uh, f- physically protect that data and also protect the integrity of that data and protect the privacy of that data outside but as the article uh, points out uh, it might be a little bit broad how you define people a company like Google and what they can do to help the industry and also it doesn't require that hey we have to in, in uh, somewhere on the 80 pages of forms that you fill out we we have to tell you that google has access to your data mm-hmm. yeah it's um you know patients That's the sort of thing that gets people scared yeah yeah patients aren't you will not necessarily be informed that google might have access to your personal information 
even if it is under the restrictions. So I think that's kind of where some of the gray area is coming, where it's like scaring people and where this like narrative is coming from. I think in general, what needs to happen is there needs to be a slight, because when we're talking Clinton era, we're talking 90s (laughs) and the 90s are a very different time in terms of cybersecurity, et cetera, uh, than they are now in the 2020s. And I think there needs to be a slight overhaul of uh, the HIPAA regulations. I think the medical community should maybe start coming together and talking about how they want the information exchange to happen between them and Silicon Valley, because I think technology could help maybe even cheapen some of healthcare. And because right now not everybody has it. So anything that could maybe cheapen it would be just, I would be happy about, um, it's just, I don't it's know. Just, this is well, space to yeah, watch. It's a it's, space it's, to watch. There, there are a lot of things that need updating. It, it's, it's shocking to me that, um, as I've as I've mentioned before on the show, I spent a year as my uh, mom's primary caregiver uh, mm-hmm. when she uh, uh, was uh, winding down from cancer, and it just um, that was such. Uh, you you have no idea what uh, what problems are our basic problems in the medical industry until you find yourself with a chronic illness or you're taking care of a loved one. The idea that it was really, really important for me to keep track of all the medications that my mom was prescribed uh, and all, every time there was a new medication to do the research and find out that, okay, but it's it would seem to me that this plus the blood pressure medication she was prescribed four years ago would be a bad combination and then you bring this to the doctor's attention at the next – and then they say, oh, yes, we, we, she do, actually she doesn't need that blood pressure, pressure medication at all. And so, OK, so why was she taking this for the past three or uh, past two years? And this is the sort of thing that you would hope that it would seem like an easy problem for technology to solve, that if there were just a, a, a secure location, which here is everything that this patient is prescribed to take – and once you try to add something to that database, as soon as you press the button to create the prescription or whatever, it will get the doctor will get an alert saying, okay, do you really want her to be taking this and this? Or do you want to make sure you warn them to not take this pill at the same time as uh, – and this is, this is why I'm willing to give Google some trust here. Uh, because so long as they have – it is their burden, their absolute responsibility to make it really, really clear that, no, we're not going to – we're not going to help someone sell you a walker or uh, or additional health care based on the information that we're collecting on this. This is only within the sphere of your health care. Uh, are we yes, – we're, yes, we're hoping to make a lot of money from it, but we're hoping to create a product that helps you as opposed to a product that helps advertisers. It is absolutely mm-hmm. the responsibility to do that. But I'm just hoping that – uh, there's. I, I always come back to the 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 example of someone who's really afraid of, of spiders uh, is going to be coming over and visiting, and they ask you, "Are there any spiders in your house?" What do you tell them? <laughs> that you can tell them that uh, you can either lie and say, "Nope, I've this is a hundred year old house with lots of nooks and crannies and openings," but I've I've investigate. I, I have a special magical anti spider uh, network. That kills all. There are no spiders. Or do you are honest? Are do you have to be honest and disclose that I did see a spider a couple of weeks ago, and there are probably parts of the basement where there are spiders, and hope that they don't absolutely freak out simply because there are spiders in this house and not. But there, yes, there are spiders, but they're not going to affect you in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But so there's a there's you, you don't want to treat adults like children. 
On the other hand, you don't want a really, really important technology to never be developed because yep. people have fears that are not necessarily based in fact. So it's, it's yep. a hard walk, hard line to walk. Yep. Uh, on that note, I think this is a good time for us to take a quick little break. Yes. Yeah. This episode of Material is brought to you by Booz Allen. Modernizing for the future is a challenge, especially for large organizations. You may need to integrate legacy systems with new technology. You may need to incorporate AI and analytics to work more efficiently and make fast decisions. And everyone needs new ways of thinking to move to what's next, whether for government or commercial goals. Booz Allen understands, and they're helping some of the world's largest organizations to modernize. They understand the missions of government and industry and the need to adapt to constant change. They provide open source solutions so clients can integrate innovation from anywhere, whether from visionary startups or major contractors. Plus, they're helping clients power new technologies with analytics. And because security is everyone's priority, they integrate their capabilities with intelligence-grade cybersecurity. With Booz Allen, integration means putting you in control of innovation. Integrate, innovate, get it done with Booz Allen. Learn more at boozallen.com slash relay. That's boozallen.com slash relay. And we'd like to thank Booz Allen for their support of this show. Well, we're ending the podcast with a little uh, bit of Google adjacent news, just kind of something new in the sphere (laughs) that you might want to pay attention to, which is a new Samsung phone. And we're not talking about... Exactly. The hot new 2020 Samsung. And I'm sorry, I stepped stepped on your joke because we were both... Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, I'm glad that Andy put this in the show notes because um, we had mentioned this phone on All About Android last night, and I was thinking about how this is probably the phone that's replacing the Galaxy Active series that was so popular in certain industries for Samsung. Um, this this is just a reminder of what a major player Samsung is. And let's not forget last week we were talking about Chromebooks. And when we were talking about Chromebooks, Samsung was the one that kind of wowed us all at CES, right? So now this is a mid-range phone. Uh, It does look awesome because Samsung kind of has its design aesthetic down. You know, it uses its manufacturing prowess to kind of keep things aligned, which I appreciate. So it has this phone called... The Galaxy X Cover Pro. <laughs> that, that must be a play on words that only somebody who doesn't speak English as a native language thinks works. I mean, I it ha- it's it's buzzy, it's yeah. buzzy. X Cover. Oh, I didn't even think about Discover. Oh, that's a good one, Andy. Wow. Okay. So anyway, it looks to be designed for industrial use, um, but it actually has a lot of great fundamental features. So, and when we're talking about industrial use, we're talking about folks who work uh, construction, folks who just work jobs that usually require a shower after work. I mean, sometimes my job requires a shower after work, but it's because I haven't showered in three days. So jobs that require that you leave your clothing either in your truck or in the garage and you definitely don't walk into the house. And again, sometimes (laughs) that is a freelancer's life because (laughs) we get, you know, but it's just we're not industrial. You know, we're we're more singular, 
We're not industrial, so that's we, why we don't necessarily fall into the category of industrial work. We, we work with our hands, but our calluses <laughs> are all just in the fingertips and not in the tool holding. Yes, or yes. in our brain cells. Exactly. <laughs> I like to there say. are a lot of calluses there. A lot of, <laughs> yes. of places in my brain that can't feel pain anymore because they've just been hit there so many exactly. times. Um, so it has has some features, some of which you'll be able to actually find on the upcoming Galaxy S20. We're not talking about the Galaxy S20 because now leaks have already started on that and eventually we will be talking about it. So just kind of let us have this. Mo- We're going to let you breathe. Because I'm sure if you are reading through your RSS feeds, that's like all you're reading about right now anyway. Okay, so this phone is 500 bucks. It's going to be available the first half of this year, likely through Verizon. Now, Verizon is honestly very known for this sort of marketing where they like get a rugged phone and they're like, buy 20 of these for your employees. We'll give you a huge discount. Verizon business runs on 5G. Woo. Um, see, that all the marketing right there for you. Has a 4,050 milliamp battery, which is huge, uh, but it's also swappable, which is like, ah, and, you know, we're kind of talking about that happening with Galaxy S20, just this idea of being able to swap a battery. That's what people have been asking for. Um, they As, want- I, I, have to, I have to say that I, I missed that from my Galaxy S3. That it's it's nice to be able to have like a, a, I'm not a battery pack. The first pack person external. to say this in the last forty eight hours to yeah. me, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like just the ability to. Oh no, my battery's at ten percent, and then literally five minutes later, okay, uh, my, this thing my isn't working. Pop out the battery, and I need to restart it. That's what I. That's oh, what okay. I did. I was the impatient person. I still do that on my laptop sometimes. <laughs> Don't follow flow. Uh, it also supports fast charging, which is like woo twenty twenty features. It's IP sixty eight dust and water resistant. Uh, has a drop proof rating of up to one point five meters. So perfect for people who are like on a scaffolding throughout the day. It <laughs> well, is a scaffolding of five feet above the ground, but. It does mean yes. that if you if you drop it on True. concrete or drop it on the, t- the the tile floor you've just laid, or in my case that on any of the floors of the Boston Public Library, <laughs> there's a know, good just, chance that's not going to cost you money. I just got the heebie-jeebies thinking about like the folks who climb up on those like wheelie, yeah, those wheelie things yeah. to to do to clean windows, mm-hmm. and it's just like the scariest thing, and I. People are brave. Um, it is military standard 810G certified, which means theoretically it should be able to handle all sorts of extremities, including altitude, temperature, humidity, other difficult conditions. I don't know how this is going to do in a nuclear war, but <laughs> considering – I'm so sorry. I just brought that up. But <laughs> – if you still have that cell service, you probably made out better than most people. There, there will probably actually, still be a grocery store that you can loot. That was actually a Freudian slip, by the way. I was not planning on saying <laughs> nuclear, but just like obviously that has been in the vernacular of my brain. Anyway, uh, it has a headphone jack. Yay. Which, yay. You don't have to reply on – you don't have to uh, rely on Bluetooth, which is great. It also has two programmable buttons, so you can you know push to talk, GPS, uh DoorDash. <laughs> I just I need I need my fries. I've, 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 I can't tell you how much I've always wanted to have just just give me one button that I can assign to any function, just a clicky button. Uh, it's 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 just particularly 
desirable like on the iPhone now that they have this really good shortcut mm-hmm, system mm-hmm, where you can mm-hmm. basically write a script to do something really really complicated so imagine just a button that says hi uh i'm kind of lost and i know that you sent me to pick that thing up but i don't know where i am right now and everyone here looks really scary and here's my location and could you tell me where i am please <sighs> Tip your DoorDashers, by the way, with cash. Oh, God. That's the appropriate way and to do thank it. Them. And, apo- and apologize to them on behalf of DoorDash. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you the amount of smiling faces I've gotten from uh, high school DoorDash uh, employees or contractors, okay. whatever. When <laughs> exactly. giving them a cash tip, they're like, oh, my God, thank you. I'm like, <laughs> don't tell them. Anyway. Sorry, DoorDash. Uh, pay your employees. Yeah. Uh, micro SD expandable storage. We're still talking about the Galaxy X Cover Pro. $500. Um, mm-hmm, 500 bucks with a display that Samsung claims can be used with gloves on, which I think will be very helpful for contractors, people who have to use, you know, thick, heavy yeah. gloves versus, or- you know... Or the, the the people that you pass by in January doing work that makes you think, maybe I shouldn't complain about how much I'm working at this job that involves me being mm-hmm. inside all day on a day like this working on a keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it, it also runs Android 10, which is great because we still haven't seen that on some Samsung flagship phones. But otherwise, on the inside, it's a mid-range phone, hence the $500 price tag. Uh, but the specs are still pretty good. It's a nice, rugged phone. It's worth noting that there's an Exynos processor in this, which is Samsung's own processor. Um, It's not a Qualcomm-made one. And I don't recall that being a common practice for Samsung to bring that chip to the U.S. So, you know, for me, from an insider's perspective, that's very interesting. Mm. But like this could this could be like their let's let's test the US market on our own custom CPU on a not on a flagship phone, but on a phone that uh won't get quite so much attention and at five hundred dollars won't get people won't get won't get quite so many lawyers who will think be about the, the intricacies Cambridge. yeah that are involved with yeah. like bringing a chip to the US. Like you are dealing with different cellular bands and you know, different components. And so I'm very curious to see exactly what you said, Andy. Like, I think they're like, let's try it out. Because this uh, niche market of phone usage, this will net some results for Samsung. Because I think they're going to sell this in bulk. So they're going to be able to get people using this and kind of like use that as a test bed. And maybe that's not a primary reason. Maybe it was to keep it cheap. Maybe they didn't want to put the Qualcomm. But I can't imagine that that's... Hmm. Why? Because, I mean, look at Motorola and every other manufacturer that sells in the U.S. in the low to mid range. But uh, regardless, it's, you know, yeah. I'm it's, it's it's another data point in the idea precisely. that the mid the mid range phones. So we're talking five around 500 bucks. There's some really inc- incredibly cool stuff coming out there, mm-hmm. both from uh, like uh, 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 one phones that are uh they tr- they basically will give you last year's phone, but at like at a half the price as opposed to just a little bit of money less. Uh, and the and what really got my eye is that if you honestly, if you uh, if if I found out that the next uh, the, the next uh, top level phone from whatever manufacturer 
you're going to have a replaceable battery, has a headphone jack. It's going to be not only like IP68, but it's also going to be drop proof to a certain de- to a certain degree. Uh, but you still get micro SD storage. You still get you will also get uh, programmable buttons, and it will definitely run the latest version of Android. You have my full attention, even before mm-hmm. you tell me it's five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't not sure if that will necessarily be my next phone, but it will definitely be something that I take a look at because it's. I, I think that um, I'm, I'm glad that uh, Samsung in particular has been so enthusiastic. Uh, I mean, like Calvin and Hobbes racing down the hill on a, yes. on, on, a, on, a, on a wagon enthusiastic about saying that we make all kinds of phones at all kinds of price levels, but we're going to make every year the Samsung Galaxy phone that is costs $1,000, but we dare you to find a more powerful phone in such an elegant pretty package mm-hmm. with so many great features and if you don't if you don't want to spend a thousand dollars or eighteen hundred dollars for a phone with with eight gigabytes of ram and a terabyte of storage you don't have to yep we're gonna you don't have but to. this is this is this is our signature phone it's going to be here is everything you can possibly put into a phone a phone that can be used as a desktop computer because exactly. we can do that and there are people who want that uh, I'm, I'm glad they do that, but uh, I think that so many companies have also, while trying to create the next big thing to incredible feature to justify an $800, $900 price tag, they've forgotten about things like, okay, face unlock and gesture control. Those are nice, but I would love to have a bigger battery. Mm-hmm. And no, don't no, don't tell me that I would not want a phone that's three millimeters thicker to accommodate it. I would really like to have a 4,000 milliamp hour battery. And no, no, I, I don't care if you're going to tell me how difficult it would be to design a phone with a replaceable battery. I would love to have a replace to go to Disney World with not not with a box that I'm going to have to plug into <laughs> my phone uh, halfway through the day, but another another dev- another thing the size of a few credit cards that I just change <laughs> change magazines and suddenly I'm good for another four or five hours. All mm-hmm. and, and a headphone jack. I want a headphone jack. All this stuff that is just meat and potatoes type uh, type of features that just make the day to day experience of using a phone less of a hassle. Uh, and I would I I would love it if so many manufacturers were to steal these features for their more expensive, more quote impressive unquote phones. I'm definitely gonna be taking a look at it. I hope you you said something that didn't uh, that didn't occur to me, so I'm glad you said it. That maybe uh, this is it was released or announced uh, last year for other markets. The news is that it's come it's definitely coming to the U S. Um, uh, but obviously, I thought that uh, you it would be just a general release sort of phone maybe it will be only available as it's five hundred dollars but you, you have to buy 10 of them at mm, a time because they mm-hmm. are designed for construction companies verizon mm-hmm. particularly is a good tell out for that because that is one of their real bread and butter markets they are yep. every every time that uh, four or five years ago that i was in the quiet car of an amtrak train but every two seconds yeah i'm on the train yeah i should be there give me a letter like every person that I didn't kill but wanted to, we were probably <laughs> using a Verizon phone with like push to talk on it. Yeah. Uh, so well, fingers crossed because I, I want people to have access to great phones at not so high prices. And unfortunately, because Samsung and uh, Apple do almost all of the really uh, successful advertising and marketing, the kind that makes consumers aware of these phones. 
other phones like these tend to slip, you know, slip under the radar. So I, yep. I hope that I hope it's available. I definitely want to check it out as soon as it comes out. Yep. Uh, well, that kind of wraps us up for today. Indeed. Um, this is a good show, Andy. As per usual, I'm proud. Um, of it. I'm proud you know, of us. Second show, third show of the new year. Third show of the new year. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're getting in there. We're getting in the nitty gritty. Uh, Andy, how's your Monday uh, Boston Public Radio appearances going? I noticed that you were posting links the other day. Much yep. earlier than I'm used to saying. <laughs> yeah, it's I've, I'm usually on Fridays uh, because of the the uh, the, the uh, I uh, I'm with uh, WGBH in Boston, and oftentimes there are like the the mayor gets like an hour long show like uh, occasionally on the Fridays. Mayors. The governor sometimes gets an hour call in show. So so for some reason I've been on Mondays to make it easy to to accommodate. Again, the whims. Of Sorry, the Andy, you're not more important than the governor. Yes. <laughs> well, to 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 my mom, I was much more important. Than the <laughs> God rest her soul. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, but I was on on Monday uh, talking mostly about what a bunch of jerks Facebook is. Uh, next week, uh, I'm going to be on again on Monday, uh, probably talking about FBI being jerks to, to Apple about forcing <laughs> them to. Unlock a phone, even though they right. do everything other, saying that they refuse to. Anyway, so you'll be, you can hear that on Monday. You can always listen to it live uh, or stream it live or stream it later at wgbhnews.org. Usually I tweet out, uh, here's exactly the time I'm going to be on. I think I'm on at one twenty in the afternoon Eastern time. But again, listen to it live, listen to it later. And as usual, check me out at uh, Anatko on Twitter, Anatko on Instagram. Uh, and whatever I put there is what you will definitely see. Thanks, Andy, for being here this week. Ah, thank you for joining me. It's always a, it's always a much more pleasant Wednesday when when yes. I get to talk to Flo. I agree. It's always a much more pleasant Wednesday when I get to talk to myself too. <laughs> Sometimes I have a hard time reaching myself. Uh, <laughs> and so much abusive language. I don't know why. <laughs> um, as for me, I just want to share that I'm participating in a fun little social media campaign put on by a friend that I made at um that big you know, women's entrepreneurial summit that I went to last year and it's called hashtag human first biz B I Z second. And just about folks talking about, um, what it's like running a business from home and the things that we kind of do to ensure our sanity throughout, (laughs) uh, throughout all the work that we have to do. So check that out on Instagram. If you're just, if you're curious about my entries, I don't usually do stuff like this, on social media, but I'm trying it out because I wanna I wanna see like what kind of conversations or interaction it elicits, you know. So if you're interested, my Instagram is oh that flow. Um, I that's it for me, Andy. That's it. I, that's, that's it for it? me. Except for okay, we all that's left is for us to express our love to our to our listeners and our editor there. Jim. Exactly, and our editor Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Whose life would be a lot easier if I didn't drink so much tonic during the show. <laughs> if I didn't drink so much coffee during the show. Uh, by the way, don't forget, you can get a membership to us, your favorite podcast, The Material Podcast, at relay.fm slash material. That's also where you can email us or you can tweet us. Until next week, have a great seven days. We do love you. Thank you very much. We do. We do. We <laughs> do.